0: welcome back i'm jess
1: and i'm regan and this is you pick we watch the podcast where you pick the movie and we take a deep dive into it learning everything we can about your recommendation today we're talking about the 1986 film the labyrinth
0: yeah um Man, this was the first time I ever watched it, and I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What was your uh, first impression?
0: What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you know what? That's fair. That's
1: a fair first impression for this.
0: Just what? There's so many. Uh, But before we get too deep into it, we have... I don't have a lot of news, but um, we talk about HBO Max a lot. Godzilla vs. Kong came out. Uh, Have you watched it yet?
1: Not yet. I actually never saw the Kong movie. So, or the new Godzilla movie. So, I I've, I've got some catching up to do.
0: Yeah, they neither of those like ever really jump at me. Like they're never ones I want to like I need to see right away. Um but I will defend Godzilla 1998 until I die. So <laughs> You um, might be the only one. I know. <laughs> I will die on that hill. I don't care (laughs) so um, I think that happens when it's your first introduction to any type of series like if you start with one that most people don't like I think you end up liking it the best and I think that goes with a lot of media but that's just maybe it's just me so because I find that with games too
1: if everyone hates something you love it
0: yeah yeah tends to be like that Fair um enough. but the big one mortal Kombat, april 16th
1: so i did on end HBO. up i did end up seeing a red band trailer for that and it looks awesome i was not expecting it to look that awesome
0: right um i will also die on the hill that the original mortal Kombat is awesome <laughs> um so there's that did you see the Red Band trailer for Suicide Squad?
1: I did, and that I'm very pumped for that movie.
0: Yeah, me too. Killer Shark, voiced <laughs> by Sylvester Stallone.
1: Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. Um It really doesn't. John Cena's character is actually getting a series on HBO Max called Peacekeeper, which I guess is his uh comic book name.
0: That whole scene where they're walking through the jungle—if you (laughs) haven't seen the trailer, just go just go watch the trailer because I'm not going to repeat what was said, but it's hilarious.
1: It is hilarious. (laughs) I really do think that uh, the R rating is going to do a lot for that movie.
0: I think it's going to do a lot for DC in general, and not just like the R rating that Justice League Snyder cut did, you know, with a couple f bombs and maybe some more horse death. (laughs) A
1: little more blood, a couple more F-bombs, otherwise not really too different rating-wise.
0: So it'll be good. It's going to be a good good couple months for WB, I think. And I think they made the right decision um, doing this with HBO.
1: Same. And especially since the theater, I just found out that the theater near me is finally reopening in like a couple months, but again it's it's still not open yet, so anything that comes out on h b o max I will be shoving in my eyeballs,
0: yeah, um, I found out too. I thought ours was gonna be closed like forever, um but they announced in May that ours should be opening, hopefully, so um uh, yeah. but same thing like until until that happens, if it does happen though, I already told my wife I was like, I'm going to the movies every Thursday for a matinee because I don't know when it'll be taken away from me again."
1: yeah yeah that's a good point so um i do uh, have one actually one item of new news that i just found out yeah so um i did do a little write-up on our facebook page about recommending the movie dread from the carl urban movie dread from 2012 i just found out that i think the uh TV adaptation, Mega City One, is actually starting to hit the ground production-wise, so we might be getting a dread TV series with Carl Urban in the near future.
0: Nice. I have not seen either yet, still.
1: Oh, man. Oh, the movie. The movie's great. The Sylvester Stallone one, not really great.
0: (laughs) They are both on my list, but as everybody knows, my list is like 8,000 pages long, so... (laughs) I'll get to them. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool. Um, it seems like that did well enough to warrant uh, more creation from it. So Absolutely. Um, so, Muppets.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> um, were you or are you a fan of any of like the classic Muppet movies or Jim Henson creations or just anything with puppets and muppets in general
1: yeah i grew up watching the muppets so i I really enjoyed them for a long time and i will say the muppets christmas carol with michael cain still gets me every time i love watching that but i haven't seen any of like the new movies or anything like that
0: i agree um i am a huge fan of muppet christmas carol i watch it every year Um, And also Muppet Treasure Island (laughs) with Tim Curry is such an underground hit. I think people sleep on that, man. That is such a good movie. (laughs) Fair Um, fair enough. (laughs) And then I watched, I used to watch Muppet Babies, the animated uh, cartoon from that used to be, I think on Nickelodeon or something. Um, But as far as like the, these Jim Henson creations, like Dark Crystal and Labyrinth, I was never something about them just never really like appeased to me. um Did you ever watch Fraggle Rock?
1: No, I've only heard of the name
0: okay, it gives me Fraggle rock vibes, but I think Fraggle Rock was way better just because of like the underground and like darker side of Muppets but <laughs> I guess we'll get into that in a minute. (laughs) Um, That being said, 16-year-old Sarah is given 13 hours to solve a labyrinth and rescue her baby brother Toby when her wish for him to be taken away is granted by the goblin king Jareth. Uh, When did you see this first?
1: Um, Six months ago? Ish? Yeah, Yeah, I, I saw it not that long. Well, Oh boy, since time has kind of really melded together, it was either 6 months ago or like a year ago, I can't remember which. But very recently.
0: And what was your initial reaction?
1: I don't I don't really want to give too much away before the thumbs up, thumbs down point, but I will say that the I f- the beginning of it, it hits you in the face like a shovel of like, okay, this is this is not anything I've seen. In other movies <laughs> at least not this way
0: yeah um i'll leave some of this but i do have questions um first of all who's irresponsible parents just leave a crying baby and dip real quick like <laughs> um and is stuff like i just don't get like this She seemed surprised by none of this. (laughs) Like, like this baby is is taken, and she's just like, oh, it was the Goblin King. Like, why would she automatically go to that? Is it because this book she has is really a step-by-step guide to these situations? Is this a situation that happens often? Are children just stolen in the night by but. David Bowie's crotch <laughs> like... <laughs> so yeah uh, that was my thought in the first five minutes of this
1: yeah yeah the fact that Jennifer Connelly is pretty unfazed by the supernatural and puppet nature of the crisis is uh, yeah that's something that raises an eyebrow
0: yeah um, let's side. I'll add a sidebar for a second. Have you seen Happy Time Murders?
1: Yeah, no, I saw the trailer and it looked really funny. Okay, but I haven't seen the movie.
0: If you want, if you want to watch a Muppet or puppet movie, because I can't, I don't think you can use the word Muppet for them. <laughs> but if you want to watch a puppet movie where like puppets are considered like, I don't know, human beings or whatever, that just watch that movie because <laughs> it's hilarious it's so bad. It's so that it's good. I love it. Back, back to this movie. (laughs) Um, so Jen, we spoke about Jennifer Connelly. She is actually an Oscar winning actress, uh, but you wouldn't know it from this movie (laughs) because she's awful.
1: (laughs) She, isn't she like 18 or something in this movie? It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is way before the Oscar.
0: Yeah. Um, she won in 2002 for a beautiful mind. um, but her in this movie, I truly think she I think she actually was like 16, 17, 18, something like that. Um, it, She's just it's painful sometimes to watch her and to think that she like grows up to be this Oscar winning actress is kind of crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can I can buy that.
0: You've seen you like A Beautiful Mind, right? Have you seen it?
1: So, here's the thing. I haven't seen all of it. I caught part of okay. it on TV a long time ago, but I never circled back to finish that
0: up. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, I've never seen it. I want to, but I've never seen it. Um, obviously, uh, everybody knows David Bowie. He plays Jareth. Um, and... The Goblin King yeah the goblin king and he was actually really good like i really enjoyed his acting um his crotch could have used a little less screen time <laughs> but you know it was uh, it was good and it just sucks cuz like at some points like because the muppets are crotch high <laughs> you get you get some close ups sometimes that i could have done without <laughs>
1: <laughs> well maybe maybe more movies deserve a a Bowie bulge in them. Maybe more would be better with that. Who knows? Who's to say?
0: Uh, Everybody that loved Bowie. (laughs) Yes. And the rest of the cast is all like part of Jim Henson's crew. I don't think there was really anybody super famous other than like the Henson, like Brian Henson and Jim Henson and stuff that did the, the Muppets, which I'm excited to talk about. That was my favorite part is like understanding how a movie like this is created, which I can't wait to get into. It's
1: for me, it's up there with like stop motion where when you see something like that, you're like, that took so long to do. I can, I can smell the blood and tears that went into that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so quick first awards, for this. Uh, they, it didn't win any Oscars, um, which I could see, but uh, it did win a BAFTA award, which is something that has to do with Britain. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it won for Best Special Visual Effects, which kind of surprised me. Um, but then like as I was watching it, I was like, oh, Lucasfilm is a producer. like They were one of the producers on it, so I was like, I wonder if ILM, Industrial Lights and Magic, who we talk about all the time, had a hand in any of the special effects. And I was reading, I was like, okay, they didn't do, like, any of, like, they didn't do the owl, right? The owl in the title sequence, which is computer generated. They didn't do that, and you can tell. But (laughs) they did do, like, some of the painted mats, which I assume is, like, the backdrops that we see. Yeah because you definitely can tell like none none of that is real but it's also done really well um so i was like that's cool cuz that's pretty much the only part of the visuals that i think held up as they always do with them
1: yeah so i got distracted there for um, one second my dog is just <laughs> biting my cat's feet and they're rolling around on the ground and it's super <laughs> distracting <laughs>
0: That's what cats and dogs do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but speaking of that computer, that owl, it is the first attempt at a photorealistic CGI animal in a feature film, 1986.
1: That, that surprised me, but also I guess it kind of makes sense. It surprised me that, that that was the first attempt in 86 because, again, that doesn't feel... Too long ago to me, even though it's like 34 years. But um yeah, yeah. CGI was not at its pinnacle at that point. So I I understand that.
0: I will say it does look better than the spawn. Fire. Oh my god,
1: most things look better than spawn. I can't so, uh, I, I can't even talk about that film right now.
0: Yeah. Um, so fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um go ahead i think
1: one of the things that surprised me the most but taking a second look made a lot of sense was all the uh all the various tricks that jareth does with those like crystal balls like rolling them around his hands and arms and stuff like that i i just at this point assume that something crazy like that would be CGI, but it was actually a accomplished juggler named Michael motion who was crouched behind Bowie with his arms, essentially replacing Bowie's arms. And he was like flipping real crystal balls around and doing like tricks with them while Bowie was talking. And to make it even more um, impressive, the juggler couldn't even see what he was doing because he was directly behind Bowie.
0: Yeah, I did not I could not tell that. Like I thought it was Bowie doing it. I was like, wow, he's really good at that. <laughs> Same. <laughs> like I was like that's crazy and it it kind of blows my mind like that he did that basically blind.
1: Yeah, I have no idea how you could do that blind, but you know what? It works.
0: Yeah. Um one of the things that like I love. Okay, so Hoggle is like the little gnome dwarf.
1: Gnome gnome dwarf, Nobody's dwarf really goblin sure. replicant. No one really knows.
0: Yeah. Um. So it actually was the person like inside the suit. Um. So Sherry Weiser was uh inside the suit, which you can tell. You It's very okay. Wait, let's back up. This movie, my wife kept saying it like through the whole movie. It's very reminiscent of like Wizard of Oz and Alice in Wonderland almost. Um, And there's even like a Wizard of Oz book in her room at the beginning. And just, you know, you're going into a fantastical land of things. Um, And when Hoggle was like just doing stuff, it reminded me of a munchkin Hmm. a lot. But it was her inside the suit and then there were four puppeteers led by Brian Henson, who is uh, Jim's brother, controlling 18 motors inside the face. Like, manipulating the mechanical mitt on his right hand, Henson controlled Hoggle's jaw movements and provided the voice. Another puppeteer provided further lip movements with another mitt. A third puppeteer used a fingertip joystick lever to control Hoggle's eyes and eyelids, and a fourth used a similar mechanism to animate the eyebrows and a foot pedal to control the skin around Hoggle's eyes. The puppeteers had to rehearse together for weeks to anticipate each other's movements. Doesn't that blow you away? It does.
1: That blows my mind because essentially anytime you see a puppet with a lot of moving features, that is so so hard to like line up like you said it's like four different people like controlling that one puppet essentially and it's it's very impressive the amount of effort that goes into that
0: yeah it's not easy like creating these, these Muppets and getting everybody in line and like this is not a movie that you do in like the you know 14 week principal or like 14, 15 day principal photography. This is something that you have to spend months on principal photography doing and then months rehearsing in, and it's just crazy. It blows my yeah. mind.
1: Uh, speaking of hoggle, a hoggle puppet got lost on an airplane and remained undiscovered until it turned up at the baggage claim center like the unclaimed section of baggage and uh in scottsboro alabama and a worker apparently a worker opened the crate and was (laughs) shook to see something that like horrifically ugly in a suitcase (laughs) because hoggle's face is rough to look at and uh yeah terrifying is a better word (laughs) he he has a good personality no he actually really doesn't but um yeah that's actually in the i think it's the airports or the local uh, scottsboro museum
0: that's cool um ludo whose name i thought was Bluto the Hmm. whole time i didn't even realize it was this until i looked it up um There was a pup, there was somebody inside of it, obviously, but there was a camera on the right horn and there was a small television inside the puppet's stomach so they could see like where they were going. And that puppet, that suit uh, originally weighed over a hundred pounds. And Jim Henson was like, no, 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 (laughs) we can't do that. So they remodeled it, and it still came out to over 75 pounds. And so they had to have two people actually work it, like, take turns because it was so heavy and so crazy. And there's also a picture of Ludo and Princess Diana from the uh, royal viewing of the movie, Um, which, I mean, that's (laughs) kind of hilarious. Yeah,
1: there's a... I read something where I think Prince Charles... One of the princes, Prince Harry.
0: Yeah, Charles. Yeah, Charles, I think
1: (laughs) apparently he was the only one who laughed at the uh, bog of (laughs) eternal stench or whatever it's called, where it's just fart noises as they're crossing. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I didn't expect that. So that (laughs) moment got me just as good.
0: My wife said, man, they don't use fart noises like (laughs) they used to in movies. (laughs) She's like, that was a big part of our childhood. (laughs) Maybe they don't
1: use them like they used to, but I sure do. (laughs) Uh,
0: What do you think of this baby? Do you think this baby was scarred for life?
1: Well, um, that's a great question. (laughs) i i know that i'm just recalling that something i read said that he was pretty much unfazed by all the crazy creatures around him and they needed him to cry in in one scene when they're doing like the, the magic dance or whatever and they basically had to wait until the baby was tired and wanted to nap and then do the scene so he's just super upset so i don't i don't know
0: Listen, I don't care what anybody says. That kid has some trauma that he's hidden somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's no way that kid has no, like, like, some deep-seated fear of something, and he doesn't know (laughs) why.
1: (laughs) It's just Kermit the Frog. Stop crying. I
0: can't. Yeah. I don't know why.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess a phobia Uh, of puppets is a lot better than a fetish.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that.
1: There was, um, speaking Um, of that baby, uh, he was, when he's seated on David Bowie's lap, uh, there's one scene where he's supposed to have kind of like a fixed, uh, hypnotized look off camera as Jareth murmurs evilly into his ear. But apparently the baby screams so much during so many of the takes that um, they had to have Bowie wear a sock puppet on one of his hands that was kind of leaning over the chair. And that's what was like distracting the baby off camera while he was doing that scene.
0: Yeah. You know why he was screaming. Um. So, the, I like this. This is probably one of my favorite camera techniques and tricks because it's just, it's fun. During the uh, Escher room scene, there's a sequence where Jarrett's crystal ball seems to bounce up the stairs and into Toby's hand, but they did this by having Toby drop the ball down the stairs and then reversing the shot.
1: Yeah, that's really smart. I love it when, uh, when they do uh, shots like that. Yeah, I like it. Because again, you can't make like you can't make something that's crystal bounce like that. No, nope. so it's that's perfect. Yeah. I don't usually like sharing facts about who might have played a certain part, so I don't find that too terribly interesting. But this one actually did pique my interest. Apparently, Michael Jackson, Prince, and Mick Jagger were all considered to play Goblin King Jareth. And Jim Henson actually preferred Sting until his kids convinced him that Bowie, who reached like critical mass of mainstream popularity at that time, um, and until they convinced him that Bowie would be best suited to play that role. And coincidentally, Bowie wanted to make a children's movie. He happened to like the concept and found the script funnier and more amusing than... Other contemporary special effects movies.
0: Oh, can we just say that I'm glad Michael Jackson did not do this?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Michael Jackson stealing a baby would be that hmm, <laughs> that would not go over well. <laughs>
0: that would not have aged well. <laughs> yeah, that,
1: that's the perfect way to say that.
0: Um, I could see I could see Mick Jagger, definitely. Uh, not Prince, but. I could see Jagger.
1: Yeah. If anything, Prince is he's just too smooth. He's like if a human was made out of silk, that's how smooth he
0: is.
1: (laughs) I don't think he could be a goblin king.
0: No, not at all. I think Bowie and Mick Jagger just had that like look of them from the eighties, you (laughs) know. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) The hair and the makeup and like they were like that normally, like the spandex, all that. That was just them being them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point,
0: actually. So, um, I think my favorite my favorite fact of this, and one day I hope to get to this, is uh, in 1986, two video games based on this movie were released, one in Japan and one in the U.S. and other markets. Labyrinth, the computer game for Apple II and Commodore 64, were re- released in the West. This was the first graphic adventure game developed by Lucasfilm Games, uh, which eventually would go on to become LucasArts in the 90s and be one of the biggest computer gaming point and click adventure game like companies like ever to grace our earth. Um, In the game, the player has 13 real time in game hours to solve the dangerous labyrinth and thwart Jarrett's plan. I would love to play that. You only have 13 hours to really beat this game. Like, I would love that. Um, In Japan, Nintendo and Henson Associates released a different game simply called Labyrinth for the Famicom system. The game was almost entirely in in Japanese since it was made exclusively for the Japanese market and never got an official Western release, although popular English unofficial fans translations do exist. Um, this game is more of an action-adventure role-playing game, not unlike Zelda, and also has a real-time in-game ticking clock like its Western counterpart. Um,
1: I love that. Yeah. I, I love the ticking clock that you have to beat because a lot of games do the opposite, you know? There's a million side quests to draw out the amount of time that you're playing that game. It'd be cool to see the opposite.
0: Yeah, like part after I read this, Part of me like today wants to go watch a playthrough of it. Like uh, uh, obviously not a 13 hour playthrough, but like
1: watch speed yeah, a
0: speed run of it because just to see it um, done, I think that is so like, I think it's so creative and I'm interested to see how it did. So I'll probably look into that a little more later, but maybe one day in the future, when I get my computer and everything, I'll go through all our movies and play all the games that <laughs> are games that have movies. Yeah. Right. Movies that have games. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Reverse it as many times as it takes to make yeah. sense.
0: That would be kind of fun.
1: That would be really cool. So. Um, yeah, I remember LucasArts being like a title card for a lot of games I played in like the early 90s mm-hmm. like into the 2000s.
0: Absolutely. They they're huge. They were huge in PC gaming back then. It's great.
1: Hmm. One thing I thought was cool is that um in Jennifer Connelly's like real life re- how do I phrase this without making it seem like I know what her actual room looks like? Okay, so in the movie in her room in real life um there's um pictures of David Bowie actually next to her like Vanity Mirror and I I kept reading this one article that was saying that there's for almost all the characters that like come along with her on that adventure there are like representations of them hidden like in her room somewhere and that made me wonder like is this supposed to be like a not a hallucination but like did she not really go to a supernatural place and just kind of had a, uh, <laughs> a acid trip dream
0: did she eat a bad peach yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I could see that like To me, if that were the case, that would make this movie make so much sense. Yeah. Um, Producer George Lucas, as we've stated, uh, chose not to do any interviews during the release of this movie as to not steal Jim Henson's thunder, who was at the time one of his best friends until his death. And I thought that was kind of sweet.
1: That is sweet. And I had no idea that they were friends.
0: Me neither. I know that him and Spielberg are friends because you see their names on everything. But I never, never thought about this. Which, I mean, I should have. Like, I should have because there are puppets in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I'm sure if they were friends, I'm sure Jim Henson was like, hey, this is what you should do because i think they're yeah. both uh geniuses in their own genre you know
1: mhm yeah and the last night uh my wife and i actually watched empire strikes back and i was thinking about the yoda puppet when it was on on the screen because it's it's done pretty well and there's like a lot of moving parts to Yoda like his mouth and facial features and like eyelids and stuff like that. But weirdly enough it's way better in the 80s than the like 1999 Phantom Menace Yoda puppet which I'm not gonna lie still haunts my dreams to this day.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay you know why it looks because Jim Henson yeah. Um, Jim Henson did help with it. I'm pretty sure. They even built the more technically. Uh, yeah. Uh, he had something to do with it. I just looked up. I just typed in Yoda Jim Henson and oh. it looks like Jim Henson was like somebody from his team helped.
1: Okay. So Yeah, I could definitely buy that.
0: And Frank Oz, Frank Oz did the, I think, the voice and the movements for him. And Frank Oz is one of Jim Henson's friends, too. That's in almost all of who is the voice of Kermit, I think, back in the day, maybe. Oh, okay. Don't fact check me. I'm going to fact check myself (laughs) on this right now.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, they're both small green puppets. I'm sure it's the same person.
0: <laughs> uh to yes. Frank Oz. Uh yeah, he was. He he was. We'll nice. just go with that. <laughs> <laughs> the easy answer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, um just even uh learning that Lucas and Henson were friends was cool, but Uh, it turns out Lucas actually helped edit the film and they had a pretty good working relationship in the sense that in an interview, um, Henson was saying that, um, when they were editing, he did the first cut and then George was heavily involved on bringing that to like the final cut. And, um, they worked on it for, you know, several months in post-production and audio And um, he said there was a lot of compromise, but um, like he wanted to go one way, George wanted to go another, and they kind of traded off giving and taking. He said George tends to be very action-oriented and cuts the dialogue pretty tight. (laughs) And Henson said that uh, he tends to cut looser and go for more lyrical pauses, which can slow the story down a little. So he said that he can describe their editing their tag team editing on this, as uh, he said, I was loosening up his tightness and he was tightening up my looseness. And so that sounds like a very symbiotic relationship there.
0: That's amazing to know. And you'll find out later when I do my, uh, my thumbs, because I mentioned something like that in here. So, <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't know that. So that's, that's amazing that I caught some of that. That's cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: you saw the source code of the Matrix.
0: Um, yeah, it's crazy. So I don't have anything else other than the the box office numbers and like the release dates and stuff. Because we have, I have a lot of commentary to go over viewer mail and stuff too. Okay,
1: I also have three quick final facts here to wrap it up. Um. <laughs> one of the reasons why hoggle is always making so many groaning noises between lines was to keep his mouth open as much as possible so the actress inside him sherry weiser was able to actually see what was happening
0: I love which i that. think is
1: hilarious yeah um every time someone says it's a piece of cake something bad happens shortly afterwards
0: that just reminds me of yeah. like uh, the thing that we watch on YouTube where it's like, oh, it's going to be really easy. <laughs> Barely an inconvenience. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh,
1: the last one was just, uh, a, a level of detail, which I thought was just fun. So Ambrosius, the dog who is the steed of, uh, that anthropomorphic foxhound, I think it is. Um, Sir Didymus, the dog saddle has like um, a colorful blanket that's decorated with Sir Didymus's knightly heraldry. And a lot of the the knightly symbols on there are all dog related. So there's like three bones over a shield, I think, Uh, (laughs) seven black paw marks in a pattern, like a checkered square, and then a fire hydrant and some trees. And I thought, I never noticed that, but that's just, that's fun.
0: It's a nice level of detail that, like, most people wouldn't think about. And I I think that puppet was my favorite puppet. (laughs) Same. Yeah.
1: Same. I I think that's how I would describe most of the, like, detail in the movie is like, wow, they didn't need to do all that. But it's cool that they did.
0: (laughs) Um, All right. So I found this kind of interesting that the budget was only 25 million dollars and i would have thought with that many puppets that that would be inflated a little bit and with having bowie who was at the peak of his like whatever you know but that's a pretty reasonable budget i think for a movie like this
1: yeah, uh, <laughs> I was just trying to work out how they got Bowie. And I was like, did <laughs> they kidnap his baby and hold a right? ransom? And it's like, <laughs> you don't get paid, you get your son back.
0: Um, wow. However, it came out in 1986. So it only made $3.5 million its opening weekend. And this is what... <clears throat> so what came out that weekend was... Well, uh, Top Gun had come out and was still in theaters. Karate Kid Part 2 came out at the same time as this. And then Aliens came out that summer, too. Ooh. So you had a huge summer. And then for some reason in September, Crocodile Dundee was number one for nine weeks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> like...
1: Ah. <sighs> That is a fun movie, but I am surprised 9 weeks in a row. Wow.
0: Yeah. Like from September 28th to November 23rd. <laughs> just I I was like what is happening?
1: <laughs> well, okay <laughs> then.
0: <laughs> uh Yeah, just crazy. It blew it that blew my mind. So, um I thought that was kind of kind of funny. It ended up grossing only thirteen million uh worldwide, um, which would be considered a failure and while Jim Henson was still alive to like see the movie become like a cult status movie, like he saw it do really well on vHS um, before his death, but his sons say that like this movie did put him in a deep depression for not doing as well in theaters mm. so. Oh, that's sad. It is sad, but I'm glad that he got to see it become as big as it did on VHS, because it really is a cult, a cult movie. Absolutely. Um, which leads us into our thumbs and our thoughts and feelings on this. (laughs) So do you want to go first or do you want me to? I
1: would love to hear what you have to say.
0: All right. Um. I honestly don't know what the big deal is about this movie. <laughs> I have no feeling at all. I feel like you uh, when we watched big fish.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Um,
0: I can take it or leave it. I think the Muppets are okay. I think the background of this movie is amazing. Like all the detail that went into working the Muppets. I, I love that people put in that type of dedication to make a movie like this. Um, But the story is too weird for me and there's no backstory and I didn't care about the characters. And to me it felt rushed, but it also dragged at the same time.
1: (laughs) Was it rushing or dragging?
0: (laughs) So you do know the difference. (laughs) Exactly. And when, as soon as you said that Lucas and Henson edited it and like kept each other in check, I'm like that's why I feel that way because I feel like it rushed at some points and dragged at some points, and I just didn't get I'm sure there are well, I know that there are a ton of like undertones and like theories and oh this means this or this means that, but like i don't I don't want that in a movie with Muppets <laughs> <laughs> I want i just I wanted to understand it more and it didn't build the world for me that I needed it for it to be like something that I either loved or hated. So I didn't want to do this. And I thought really, really long and hard, but I couldn't justify going one way or the other. So I have to, I have to do the zero thumbs (laughs) because it's, it's just meh to me.
1: Gotcha. 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 Too good to downvote and too disappointing to upvote.
0: Yeah, it really it really is because I can't pick out like a single thing that makes me like push it one way or the other.
1: Fair enough. I mean, that's, that's what the no thumbs is all about.
0: Yeah, and we don't do that. We don't do that often. We try not to do that. But... I mean, if I like a movie, I will like list off reasons, or if I don't like certain things. But this, I really am just like, meh. I'll probably never watch it again, and I'll, I, I'm okay with that.
1: Fair enough. I'll, I'll say for my impression coming into it, pretty blind. Uh, yeah, the story, like the goal of the story, is pretty straightforward, but. There's not really a whole lot of, like, world building. There's, I was having a hard time keeping characters' names straight and, uh, or not confusing them with other characters. I think that the, I think the puppets are really well done. Like, the production design, as far as, like, strictly the puppets go, and, like, some of the sets I thought was just really cool because they include a level of detail that, the movie didn't really warrant, but they did it anyway. And I just thought that was cool. Um, overall, I liked more about it than I didn't. It's not a movie that I would like rush to rewatch. But when we had to rewatch it for the podcast, I wasn't mad about it. So I I would just give it one thumb up and say that it's definitely not for everyone. It's uh, it almost wasn't for me. But I did end up enjoying it.
0: Good. I, uh, I could see that. And yeah, I just didn't have those parts that just pushed it one way for me. Um, and I, but I do appreciate everything. I appreciate everything that Jim Henson's people did, that George Lucas's people did. I think I think to me, that is movie making at its finest everything that goes into it just the story just doesn't get me so um that being said we have lots of viewer stuff this week so we're gonna go back to uh our episode from last week uh on discord we have a commentary section Uh, So feel free to come in and write your commentary for the movies we watched, or if you have fun facts for us. Um, So Chenty, who's been a huge supporter from like day one and listening um, was writing in here. And he said, so we talked about how Zack Snyder left justice league because his daughter died and found out that like she didn't just die she actually committed suicide so like he really had to leave the picture i mean i mean he would have had to leave anyway but like that kind of like some like cements it almost um which i didn't realize that that had happened so that like adds a whole nother layer to like the darkness i think um and then remember I was talking about <laughs> where are those tubes <laughs> where are those portals coming from? Yeah. They're called boom tubes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I so, some of the the DC names for stuff just I don't know, they they land weird for me like mother boxes or boom tubes. It's <laughs> It's something.
0: Did you did you watch? You watched the uh, honest trailer, right? Yeah. I have to go to the bathroom just do it just do a cut of every time they say mother boxes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did not realize they said it that much.
1: That was painfully obvious in the theatrical cut. Like they say the word mother an uncomfortable amount of times and then I noticed it less probably cuz the movie was twice as long in the Snyder cut.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Um also he uh Chenti posted a couple things about how Jack Kirby left Marvel and DC gave him full creative control over his own micro universe which pretty much was like creating the characters almost the same characters that were in Marvel it seems it says unhappy with Marvel comics at the time he as he had created or co-created a plethora of characters without having copyright or creative custody of them. He turned to rival publisher DC Comics with his sketches and designs for a new group of heroes and villains. So these were like Thanos and the characters in Marvel were the answers to the new gods, which was like Dark Side and everything that Jack Kirby created. So it kind of like there's a lot of stuff that like almost crosses over and he was talking about how Hawkeye and the green arrow are like clones from universe to universe flash and Quicksilver Batman and Moon Knight Martian Manhunter and Drax um not the Drax <laughs> that we know but a different a different Drax um Thanos and Side, which I noticed watching the movie i was like man dark side looks a lot like thanos
1: (laughs) yeah so yeah no you're not wrong and that's that's something that i hadn't like fully realized up until this point uh until you laid out all the examples next to each other there is a lot of like overlap or like cross-pollination however you want to put that
0: yeah um so yeah that's the fun stuff that we talk about in discord so come join (laughs) Um, Share your knowledge. We have, yeah, we have... Uh, we like it. Um, I just learned how to use Discord, then,
1: guys. You gotta come uh, keep me entertained now.
0: Yeah, and I just learned how to make you uh, an admin, and myself an admin of our own channel. Ooh.
1: <laughs> These are <laughs> so exciting times, people.
0: <laughs> um, and then we had my sister emailed in a couple... Uh, request my sister hannah she recommended evolution from 2001 starring uh julian moore sean william scott and david D- Duchovny. um have you ever seen that
1: no but i used to watch the animated series that was based off of that
0: <laughs> nice yeah. i never watched that but i did see evolution in theaters oh wow <laughs> back back in the day yeah <laughs> um yeah, it came out, I was in, I was at boarding school. So, like, the only thing to do on the weekends was, like, if you wanted to get out of the school, was to go to the movies in the next town over. So, I remember seeing it there. Um, and then, she also requested the movie Spun, which I think I've talked about a couple times. Um, yeah, that stars Brittany Murphy, John Leguizamo, and Jason Sportsman. And it's amazing. Hmm. I've never heard of that. Um, it is I think it's also got not Mickey Rourke but no, somebody else that's kind of I don't know it might be Mickey Rourke. Um it's a basically like a couple days worth of crystal meth heads. Oh. So. <laughs> Fun. It's a drug it's a drug movie but I don't know. Have you ever seen Train Spotting?
1: No, that's actually on my list, but I've never seen it.
0: Okay. Um, I would say not similar movie, like story wise, but like concept, maybe. Okay. So, um, it's it's really good. It's oh, it also has a uh, Mira Servino? Mira Mina Servino? Oh. Paul Servino's daughter that we've talked about before. I can't remember her first okay. name. Okay, <laughs> um, it's really good. I enjoy it. So um, we have added those to the list to the wheel, and I think that's all for viewer stuff today. Yes. Okay. Let's spin. Let's spin and see what we got.
1: All right. Let's see.
0: It's probably going to be. I, I'm looking at the list, and it looks like they go in like chunks from when we put them on, and I bet it's going to be another like Halloweeny scary movie.
1: Well, you're sort of right. It's the number twenty three.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a fun one.
0: Yeah, that was actually requested by Chenti. So
1: right on. Well, thanks for that that's recommendation, awesome. Chanti.
0: Um, so we've got this one next week. Episode 40 is gonna be WandaVision with Matt B. So uh, two weeks, two weeks from today, that's when we'll do the R WandaVision episode, which I'm super excited about, like to talk about and everything. Oh me too. So it'll be good. Stay tuned for the next couple weeks. It's gonna be a good a good couple weeks.
1: Got that right.
0: So all right. Well take us out.
1: <laughs> thanks for tuning in, guys. Next week we're gonna discuss the number twenty-three pick for us by Chenty on Discord. Remember, you can help select the next movie by messaging the podcast at you at gmail.com or through Facebook. Discord or Twitter at Upick We Watch. If you like what you hear, um, please consider giving us a quick five star review. It really does help. Um, I'm Regan. You can find me at Facebook and Instagram at Author Regan Brooks.
0: And I'm just You can find me on Twitter at Radman Mal and same handle in Discord. And uh, yeah, get in there, come uh, talk with us, and. We'll have a great time. It's really fun. Get together
1: and create some discord.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) On that note.